Wake up at Holiday Inn Express to a can't-miss breakfast that's free with every stay. Count on all the hot, fresh coffee you need and an incredible breakfast buffet that has something for everyone, like eggs, cinnamon rolls, and even hot, fresh pancakes with all the toppings you crave. Next time, do yourself a favor and stay at a Holiday Inn Express with a can't-miss breakfast that's free with every stay. So, when you wake up at Holiday Inn Express, you'll wake up happy, a part of IHG Hotels and Resorts. Hello, little woman fans. Today we have a triple comment shout-out. First one goes to Radical Rin, who says, Controversial opinion, I know, but I actually really love Joe and Friedrich, and I am a goddamn lesbian. This comment lives in my head, rent-free. Another comment shout-out goes to Janie Cat 318 I don't care what Tumblr or Greta Gerwig say. It's completely canon that Joe and her professor were crazy in love, got married and had two adorable boys, Rob and Teddy. If Louisa May Alcott really didn't want them together, why didn't she kill him off in the sequel? Instead we got two sequels where they clearly are still madly in love and thriving in the chaos of Plumfield. Here is a quote from the other art blog. I thought the same thing. If she didn't want Joe to be married, she could have killed him off. Plus, there are so many scenes where she is clearly attracted to him. They make out and a friend of mine says there is an afterglow scene. Greta lied during the whole press tour. When I have read Greta Gerwig's interviews, all these things that she has said about Little Woman, none of them actually happen in the novel. It really has made me wonder, has she even opened the book? She says that she is some sort of an alcohol expert. And then she ignores some very important elements about her, like the fact that Louisa loved Germany. Which is not really something you can miss, especially if you study books that Louisa liked to read. She even studied German and traveled there. I'm going to dissect Gerwig's sayings that actually don't happen in the novel. This episode is sponsored by Audible, so if you want to check how in Louisa May Alcott's novels the main love interest of Louisa type of protagonist is always based on Henry Thoreau, this is your chance. You can get 30 days free trial with the link in the description. This is Small Umbrella in the Rain, Little Woman Podcast, Joe March, Friedrich Bear, and Adaptive Attractiveness. Adaptive attractiveness means that in a film or a TV version, a fictional character who is not written to be conventionally attractive is played by an, an attractive actor. In Little Woman, this happens with Joe, with Friedrich and with Laurie. Laurie in the book is written to have brown skin, yet in all adaptations between 1917 and 2019, he has been played by a white actor. Laurie having brown skin is important because in the plot of the book it plays to the way he sees himself and contributes to his character. I made an episode about it, it's called Laurie and Adaptive Attractiveness. Adaptive Attractiveness applies to Joe as well. Joe in the book is not written to be pretty. She is tall and quite muscular. She is tanned and likes to be outside, but in the 19th century that wasn't considered attractive at all. She is very clumsy and socially awkward. Lusa Mayalcott's niece Lulu, she said that her aunt had a very low voice like a man's. That is what Joe looks like in the novel. I've had people leaving not very nice comments to my channel where they complain about the looks of Catherine Hepburn and Sarah Davenport. Catherine played Joe in the 1933 Little Woman and Sarah in the 2018 Little Woman. But I understood these commenters complained that these actresses were not pretty enough to play Joe. 
Yet these two actresses actually look closest to the book Joe. Let's put a pin on that. Not pretty enough to play Joe, who is not pretend to be pretty. In Little Woman, Louisa May Alcott criticizes society's obsession with beauty. Catherine Hepburn and Sarah Davenport are tall. They are athletic and muscular. That is what showing the book looks like. If you put the book Laurie and the book Joe next to one another, they are not very balanced. Laurie is effeminate. He is written to have small hands and small feet. Next to Joe, he seems small. It is not just Joe. There are people who complain that Gabriel Byrne, Mark Stanley and Paul Lucas, who have all played Frederick, were not good looking enough. And then there are people who say that Ian Bohen, Gabriel Byrne, Louis Carroll and Rosanna Brassi are too good looking to play Frederick. All this about a book where the author is criticizing society's obsession with youth and beauty. The most disturbing group of people are the ones who say that the book Frederick is not handsome enough for Joe, despite the fact that Joe is not written to be particularly beautiful herself. And one of the main themes of the novel is that love beautifies a person. Louisa May Alcott was taller than most men. She also liked to run and she exercised. In the 19th century, the average length of woman was a bit shorter than now, so you can imagine that Louisa stood out. In the novel, Jo feels herself as a freak and as an outsider. There is criticism towards Meg and Amy because they wish to fit into the female circles. Movies have been criticized because they put the spotlight on Jo and don't focus that much on other sisters. But lately there has been more discussion how Jo or Louisa demonizes sisters' femininity. In the 19th century, the world between men and women was strictly divided. One of the reasons why Jo prefers the male company is because there is less criticism about her looks, at least not in front of her. She feels quite insecure about her body and often compares herself to Amy and Meg. They are treated better in the society because they look more feminine. Meg is written to be the most beautiful of the sisters. Amy is not that beautiful, but she is poised and she has nice manners, but Jo has quick tongue and she can control her mood changes. Let's start with this quote from Gerwig saying that she hired a hot bear, that Jo would feel herself like a winner, because quote, how could she say no to someone as handsome as Timothy Chalamet? Jo in the book is never attracted to Laurie. Laurie is described to look very effeminate, and there are times when Jo even refers him as girly or daughter. Sarah's Ronan and Timothy, they are Gerwig's golden duel. If she makes a film where the two are, her fans and their fans are going to see it, and many of them have not read Little Woman and never read it. I didn't follow the press tour of the 2019 film, but Little Woman fan Jimena did, and this is what she says. You know, the funny thing is that it does seem to me that Sarah's and Timothy are in a situation pretty much like Joe and Laurie in the book, where Sarah's can't make clearer that they are just friends and Timothy keeps pushing. I mean, I watched the whole press tour and there were a couple of times where he said that they have the same relationship as Joe and Laurie, only he hasn't declared his love. And at one time, Florence added, yet. And a few times, Sawyers has been pushed to admit feelings for Timothy and she keeps saying, they are just friends. Ian Greta in an interview for Vogue, they asked her if she was trying to set them up and she was like, sure, why not? It is a similar thing to what happens to Joe. How could she not want that handsome man? Based on this, it sounds like this film didn't have nothing to do with Little Woman and more to do with the actors and the director shipping them. There are also fans who romantically ship the two actors. 
and the characters that they play. And they want to see the two as a couple in real life. Joe criticizes Laurie in the book because Laurie is quite materialistic, very different to Frederick, who is always willing to give away from the little that he has. I made an episode about it called Why Frederick is Poor. For Louisa, it was important that partners in a relationship shared the same work morals, which is what Joe and Frederick do. And Joe also criticizes that Laurie doesn't care about school and he doesn't like to work. Joe loves school. She wants to go to university. She also admires Frederick because he is hardworking and they have similar views about education. These elements of Joe's and Laurie's differences and Joe's and Frederick's similar interests are not in Gerwig's film. The entire Tim Bear vs. Tim Laurie debate that Little Woman is known for, it is entirely manufactured by filmmakers. 1994 film has been accused of romanticizing Joe and Laurie, but Gerwig's Little Woman is accused for the very same thing. Same has been said about June Allison and Peter Lawford in the 1949 film. The list goes on and on. In the novel, the whole reason why Joe travels to New York is because she doesn't want to be alone with Laurie because he is sexually harassing her. Not only trying to push her into a relationship, but a physical connection that she does not want, at least not with him. If we would actually see Laurie harassing Joe in the films, do you think we would have this entire debate? Here is another quote from Jimena. I read the book expecting and even looking for some romantic elements in Laurie and Joe's scenes, but there was none. In the first book, they are best friends and nothing more. It's until the second book that everyone notices Laurie's advances, but Joe asks them not to talk about it because it makes her super uncomfortable. Every time he tries, he hits a wall. Seriously, how did he reach to the conclusion that a proposal was appropriate? Did he even have a ring? Greta portrays Laurie just as the character would have portrayed himself, as the martyr who loved a girl who never loved him back. Laurie is not a martyr. People shouldn't pity him. He ignored Joe's signals once and again. He tried to force her to accept and even threatened to hurt himself. That is so toxic. But Greta Gerwig does. There is this one group who she says that Joe and Laurie belong together. Then another group who she tells that Joe is gay. And third group who she says that Joe is asexual and never wants to leave her home. And the only thing in common with these groups are her anti-Fredic statements and racist propaganda of him being German. Here is a quote from blogger My Fiction Garden. Gerwig telling one group of people one thing and another something else is the worst thing ever. It is like she's selling herself for money, always changing her opinion. I would also blame the producer or studio for letting her on the loose. I never understood why one should label something for modern audiences instead of being honest to the past and making Friedrich, quote, hot because shallow reasons is anything but right. Too many radical feminists have a, well, let's say, illimited understanding of human nature and the world. It is wrong to rewrite history to fit your needs. Luisa had been in love with both Taro and Emerson. One shouldn't ignore that. She loved everything German, so saying otherwise is lying. When I started to read Henry Thoreau biographies, there was something that made me 100% convinced that Henry was the real-life critic. It seemed that everyone in Concord had some kind of opinion how Henry looked like. The woman who fancied him thought he was handsome. The people who considered him more as an eccentric member of the town thought he looked funny. Some of his friends said that he looked a bit odd when they first met him, but when they got to know him, he started to seem very pleasant. When Friedrich Schiller met Goethe, and get the
Whether a date night or family holiday outing, Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights is the perfect way to experience the magic of the holidays. The half-mile walk through Vienna's enchanting Meadowlark Botanical Gardens features lighted nature themes and sparkling displays. Get your tickets now at winterwalkoflights.com. Extend your holiday season and beat the rush with a weeknight visit in November or early December. Plan your visit and buy tickets at winterwalkoflights.com. That's winterwalkoflights.com was another model for Friedrich. Schiller wrote that he was a bit disappointed that he didn't look as handsome as he had imagined, but Goethe was such a nice man to be with that he soon forgot his disappointment. In the book when Joe meets Friedrich for the first time, she does find him attractive. She even positions herself in the nursery so she can stare at him all day long, but the more time she spends with him, in her eyes he becomes more handsome and Friedrich sees Joe the same way. All romantic interests in Luce's novels are based on Henry Tarot in some level. All of them. They have blue eyes. Sometimes they have beards. They are tall. They have big hands, big feet. They are solidly built and they have broad shoulders. Many of these romantic interests also speak with German accents. There is a theory that Luisa May Alcott may have suffered from high-level testosterone production, also known as PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. All people need testosterone, but with women, high level of testosterone can create physical symptoms. Body appears more muscular than feminine, voice becomes a lot lower, and it can create aggression and mood changes. Louisa has been described with all these symptoms. After her service in the war, Louisa became sick with scarlet fever, and she was treated with mercury, and the mercury treatment was continued through the rest of her life, and it messed up her hormonal balance even more. You would find Henry reading Plato and wondering about the relationship between man and nature. He never seemed to care how he looked, with his white hair, shabby clothes and scuffed boots. He liked to eat with his fingers. For the smitten Louisa May Alcott, Tarot's eccentric surface was part of his charm. As she later wrote, Beneath the defects the master's eye saw the grand lines that were to serve as the model for the perfect man. Louisa wrote about this into little woman. Is the scene where Joe begins to describe Friedrich in her letters. Cast away at the very bottom of the table was the professor, shouting answers to the questions of a very inquisitive, deaf old gentleman on one side and talking philosophy with a Frenchman on the other. If Amy had been there, she'd have turned her back on him forever because, sad to relate, he had a great appetite and shoveled his dinner in a manner which would have horrified, quote, her ladyship. I didn't mind, for I like to see folks eat with relish, as Hannah says. And the poor man must have needed a deal of food after teaching idiots all day. When I was younger, I struggled to understand this scene, which probably means that I was a lot more like Amy than I like to admit. But this is actually a really good way to see that the things that Louisa found attractive, they were not things that most people would pay attention. She even mentions how Amy would turn her head away. But she won't. Joe likes that Friedrich is unconventional, and in a way that unconventionality of her and him is something that bounds them. In Joe's post, there is a scene where Joe has gained weight, and Friedrich tells her that in his eyes, she is still the most beautiful woman in the world. Mercury treatment and the high testosterone could also make a person to gain weight. Reda Gerwig called Friedrich stuffy. Once again, zero mentions of Joe's looks. 
in the novel, Friedrich is written to be a bit stout, and that it's something that Joe actually finds quite attractive. And pretty much all of Louis's literal heroes are a bit stout. And there is criticism about skinny guys, that Louis's sister may like skinny guys, and Louisa liked dad butts. What is so difficult about this for people to understand? I have mentioned this before, but here we go again. A Joe worshipper comes to meet Joe, and then she sees her portrait. And Ted, who is Joe's and Friedrich's son, says that it is a portrait of his mother. And this fan is horrified and doesn't want to meet her since she thinks that Mrs. Bear is a goddamn ugly. All based on Lucy's own experiences with Joe worshippers who were always disappointed when they saw her because they imagined that she would look pretty like Joe. But Joe is not written to be pretty in the book. Looking the way Lucy looked like, it wasn't easy to find love. Or somebody who'd say that she was the most beautiful woman in the world. To my experience, there are two types of Alcott schoolers. The Alcott schoolers who make the connection between Louis's love life and Joe's love life. Then there are Alcott schoolers who don't make the connection and also ignore Louis's love life. And their arguments for hating Friedrich's character, which often is the case, is that they don't think he's handsome. Which is very superficial, since there is no such thing as universal standard for beauty. This is a quote from Claire Bender's essay, Gender Stereotyping Little Woman. Geraldine Brooks declares, Another reason Alcott crafted the direction of Joe's life in this way was because she seemed to want to marry but never did. It seems likely, however, that she did have at least two different love interests in her life. Perhaps Alcott decided to give Joe what she herself always wanted, marriage and a family. More likely, Alcott felt encouraged by her father, Bronson, and her publisher to compose a novel that would ultimately please the public. The readers would likely have desired that Joe marry. During that era, most people would agree that spinsterhood was not exactly romantic. Alcott disliked the idea of Joe marrying and vowed that she would make Joe a funny match. In the end, even though Joe married, Alcott got the last laugh by marrying her to an unromantic character. In this case, the schooler mentions that Louis actually had two love interests, but they refused to make the connection between Louis's love life and Little Woman, despite the fact that Little Woman is a semi-biographical novel. Once again, the reasoning for Louisa not wanting to marry is, quote, explained her marrying Joe to an non-romantic character. But they don't stop and consider the fact that what Louisa Mayalcott saw as romantic is also romantic for Joe. For those of you who don't know, Geraldine Brooks wrote a book called March, a fictional book about Joe's father, and she is absolutely right. Louisa did wanted to get married and have children, and it seems that she wanted all that with Henry, so why Louisa didn't marry? Henry passed away when Louisa was 28 and he was 44. In Little Woman, Joe and Friedrich marry when Joe is 28, and Friedrich is 44. Even after Henry had passed away, Louisa never gave up hope. She writes about the men she meets in her journals. Louisa wanted to marry for love, but in those times most people married for money. Louisa's sister May had also written to her journal how difficult it was for her to find a partner who would allow them to work outside home. Garrick said that Laurie is Joe's first feminist ally, and that Laurie wants Joe to step into the adult world. When I got into this point of this interview, I was like, what is this imaginary book that Garrick has read since none of that happens in the actual novel? When Laurie proposes Joe, he says that once they marry, she doesn't need to write and she has more important things to do, like to take care of him. He's a man-child. If anything, Joe is the adult in that relationship 
and she is frustrated that he is behaving like a young boy even in his early 20s. The person who saves Laurie is Amy because she inspires him to better himself, but that's not in this film or any other films. Here's a quote from Little Woman fan Heatherfield. Gerby clearly found a different version of the book than the one we read. It is important to consider these books in the context of the period and culture they were written, and unfortunately, it is something that is often forgotten in the adaptations. But how can you understand a story and a character if you don't know the cultural and societal reasons that motivate them? I really hate when people say, Jo should have stayed single and enjoyed her life in New York, like they are thinking about Carrie Bradshaw in Sex and the City, and don't think, or don't know, about the weight that being a spinster was for a woman in the 19th century, psychologically and economically. In 1870s, Louise was making $2 million a year with her children's books, which is a lot of money. What I checked, that is about $21 million today. She was filthy rich, yet in her journals, she never seems to be fully content or happy. Her poor health wasn't cured and the money could not bring Henry back. Nobody likes to admit that they are lonely, and especially in the 19th century, when the whole idea of romantic love was quite new. Louisa's letter to her friend Maggie Lukens are probably the ones where Louisa is most honest about herself and her feelings. She writes about her belief for reincarnation and receiving her, quote, award in the next life. Louisa May Alcott, the children's friend, presented Louisa, minus the rough edges, as the genteel spinster Aunt Joe. Louisa and her publisher, Thomas Niles, invented the image and built Louisa into a brand. Alcott schooler Daniel Shirley has echoed this style of branding, saying that it was a way to keep Louisa's public image pure. Edna Chene, who wrote the first Louisa May Alcott biographies, also did this by cutting away stories from Louisa's relationships. For 50 years, Chene's biography was the only biography available about Louisa, and it shaped the future generation's views about her. In the 19th century, reputation was everything for a woman, and Louisa being in a public position, she was particularly careful about her reputation. Her fling with younger Lady Wisniewski and her love for older men could have caused some troubles if the word got out, and there are times when Louisa seemed to have been ashamed of her position as a spinster. Quote from Jimena. Greta also saw Laurie as the first ally in literature, but then reading the book I was like, am I supposed to like him? He does a lot of great things, very considerate things for Amy especially, but there are other times when he is not a good person and definitely not an ally. I have read about six Louisa May Alcott biographies and they all mention that Louisa fell in love at least once in her life, maybe twice, and these two men were Henry Thoreau and Ladislas Wisniewski. Greta Gerwig promotes herself as some kind of Alcott expert, but she obviously ignores these pretty important things about Louis's character. When a person is a Joe and Laurie shipper, or they have some queer agenda for Joe, they look for information that suits them, even if that information is inaccurate or something that they know to be a lie. This is known as a confirmation bias. Laurie is partially based on Ladislas Wisniewski, the young Polish composer Louisa met in Switzerland, and she even wrote to her censored diary a chapter called Little Romance with Laddie, which is highly censored. He was ten years younger than Louisa. When Laurie proposes Joe in the novel, he actually begins to make fun of Friedrich, and Joe gets really angry about that. 
There's a whole school of Louis Amalgam researchers. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Who actually believe that it is not about little woman. It is actually Louisa rejecting Laddie and choosing to be with Henry. If not in this life, then in the next one. In later letters between Louisa and May, they criticize Laddie's behavior and how immature he is. If Greta Gerwig is a Joe and Laurie shipper, perhaps that is not something she likes to hear. But of course, this is something that every person who studies the parallels between Lucy's life and little woman should know. And the little romance with Laddie. It is pretty much mentioned in every single Lucy May Alcott biography. Alcott schooler John Madison, who is a Pulitzer Prize winner, he wrote in one of his online publications that Joe rejects young and adventurous Laurie, and Alcott marries Joe to a boring, sexless German professor who forces her to conform into domestic life and prevents her from writing. It was followed by a long rant how Louisa May Alcott didn't care about love or marriage. Before I knew that Madison was a Fritzphobic, I had read his article about John Surrey, the German soldier who Louisa nursed at the war. John Surrey, he was a tall man with big hands and big feet, brown bushy beard, and he had a very calm temper. That is exactly how Friedrich is described to look like. Isn't that weird that a schooler who writes about real-life Friedrich doesn't make any connections with little woman and even makes fun of him being German? And I bet you a life, John Madison knows that Louisa May Alcott loved Germany. Here's a quote from Louisa's diary from 1874. She has received letters from her sister May, who has written about her married life. Quote, Happy letters from May, who is enjoying life as one can but once. Then, with a sudden vision of her own lonely lot, she exclaims, How different our lives are just now. I saw lonely and sick, and she's so happy and blessed. She always had the cream of things and deserved it. My time is yet to come somewhere else when I am ready for it. Not only is she incredibly lonely, but she also envies her sister's marital happiness and wishes that she would have a partner. What puzzles me is that this information has been out there for a very long time, these letters are in May Alcott's biography and it was published in the 1920s. Same with these letters between Louisa and Mackie Lukens, where Louisa writes about her loneliness. They have been out there for a very long time. Here is a quote from Little Woman, chapter all alone. It is so beautiful to be loved as Laurie loves me. He isn't sentimental, doesn't say much about it, but I see and feel it in all he says and does, and it makes me so happy and so humble that I don't seem to be the same girl I was. I never knew how good and generous and tender he was till now. 
for he lets me read his heart and I find it full of noble impulses and hopes and purposes, and I'm so proud to know it's mine. He says he feels as if he could make a prosperous voyage, now with me abroad as mate, and lots of love for ballast. I pray he may, and try to be all he believes me to be, for I love my gallant captain with all my heart and soul and might, and never will desert him, while God lets us to be together. O oh, mother, I never knew how much like heaven this world could be, when two people love and live for one another. And that is our cool, reserved word, the Amy. Truly, love does work miracles. How very happy they must be. And show laid the rustling sheets together with a careful hand, as one might shut the covers of a lovely romance, which holds the reader fast till the end comes, and he finds himself alone in the work-a-day world again. By and by Joe romped away upstairs, for it was rainy and she could not walk. A restless spirit possessed her, and the old feeling came again, not bitter as it once was, but a sorrowful patient wonder why one sister should have all, she asked, and utter nothing. It was not true, she knew that, and tried to put it away, but the natural craving for affection was strong, and Amy's happiness woke the hungry longing for someone to love, with heart and soul, and cling to while God let them to be together. Up in the garret, where Joe's unquiet wanderings ended, stood four little wooden chests in a row, each marked with its owner's name, and each filled with relics of the childhood, and girlhood ended now for all. Joe glanced into them, and when she came to her own, leaned her chin on the edge, and stared absently at the chaotic collection, till a bundle of old exercise books caught her eye. She drew them out, turned them over, and relived that pleasant winter at Mrs. Kirk's. She had smiled at first, then she looked thoughtful, next sad, and when she came to a little message written in the professor's hand, her lips began to tremble, the book slid out of her lap, and she sat looking at the friendly words, as they took a new meaning and touched a tender spot in her heart. Wait for me, my friend. I may be a little late, but I shall surely come. Oh, if he only would. So kind, so good, so patient with me always, my dear old Fritz. I didn't value him half enough when I had him, but now how I should love to see him, for everyone seems to be going away from me, and I am all alone. And holding the little paper fast, as if it were a promise yet to be fulfilled, Jo laid her head down on a comfortable rag bag and cried as if in opposition to the rain pattering on the roof. Was it all self-pity, loneliness or low spirits? Or was it the waking up of a sentiment which had abided its time as patiently as it inspired? Who shall say? After reading that letter, how can anyone say that Amy didn't love Laurie? The book was written earlier than May's letter, but as you can see, the feelings that Joe is going through are very similar to Louisa, the way she felt alone reading about her sister being happily married, and as you can see, Joe and Friedrich in the book, they parted as friends. And what the heck was that scene in Greta Gerwig's film of Joe wanting Laurie to take her back? How many Joe and Laurie confirmation biases will be born out of that? Here's another quote from All Alone. There are plenty to love you, so try to be satisfied with father and mother, sisters and brothers, friends and babies, till the best lover of all comes to give you your reward. Mothers are the best lovers in the world, but I don't mind whispering to mommy that I'd like to try all kinds.
It's very curious, but the more I try to satisfy myself with all sorts of natural affections, the more I seem to want. I'd no idea hearts could take in so many. Mine is so elastic. It never seems full now. Those people who say that Cho doesn't want to grow up and just wants to live at home. She says right here in the novel that kind of life where you take care of your mother and your father, it doesn't fulfill her and it feels very lonely to her. Listen to this. Cho had got so far. She was learning to do her duty and to feel unhappy if she did not, but to do it cheerfully. Ah, that was another thing. She had often said she wanted to do something splendid, no matter how hard, and now she had her wish. For what could be more beautiful than to devote her life to father and mother, and if difficulties were necessary to increase the splendor of of the effort? What could be harder for a restless, ambitious girl than to give up her own hopes, plans and desires, and cheerfully live for others. The idea of living with her family, it does not satisfy her. She sees it more as a duty. And then you have Greta Gerwig saying, certain demographic of the moviegoers, that Cho only wanted to live with her family and never grow up. Which is BS. And then there are all these other demographics, who she's telling a completely different story. I am sure you listeners are starting to understand how deeply intertwined this problem about Friedrich's looks is, and in the end, how silly these excuses are. Louisa was often described as someone who had, quote, masculine air around her. When her fans saw her, they were disappointed by the way she looked like, because they thought she would be young and pretty. Imagine what that makes to a person's self-esteem, and because Louisa looked very masculine, it would not have been that easy for her to find men who considered her attractive. She had lots of male friends, but these younger male friends, they saw her more as a mother than as a partner. Like Laddie Wisniewski, who called her as his, quote, little mama, and he also asked Louisa to call him Vario, which was a nickname that his mother called him. Now, the... People who are listening, how many of you would like to be in a relationship with someone who asks you to call them with the nickname that their mother calls them? Maybe not that many. In this interview that I am quoting, it is said that Louis Carell is also especially welcome as a young, more effable version of the stuffy Professor Bear. Louis Carell was 36 when he filmed Little Woman. Friedrich in the book is 39. Wow, three years. What a way to make Friedrich younger. Greta Gerwig has also been criticized for criticizing Friedrich's age because she is married to a man who is 14 years older than she is, quoting Jimena again. The hypocrisy of the filmmakers is unbelievable. They complain about Bear's looks but ignore the fact that Jo was never superficial and that she herself looked unconventional. Jo's and Friedrich's age difference in the book is 16 years because... Henry was 16 years older than Louisa. Jo is 24 in the book when she meets Friedrich, and 28 when she marries him. She's a full-grown adult. It is possible to make a little woman adaptation and have younger men to play Friedrich, without making fun of the characters or his relationship with Jo. 1949 Little Woman does that really well, and Rosanna Brassi was 30 when he played Friedrich. Not to mention this is what Jo says in the novel. Quote, Don't call yourself old. 40 is the prime of life, and I couldn't help loving you if you were 70. This is a quote from Gerwig's interview. I almost dropped the book while reading it. I was like, oh, of course, this is her book, and it's certainly not because Joe marries Professor Bear. 
That's not why we love her and that's not why women who wanted to be writers have flocked to her. Not in the hopes of meeting an older German professor who gives them sketching feedback, who doesn't like what they are doing and makes sure to use the word too. This made me convinced that Greta Gerwig hasn't actually read Little Woman because what is she talking about? The time when Joe is in New York is based at the time when Louisa was in her 20s and she wrote sensational stories to a New York magazine. Louisa did not like her editor, Frank Leslie. In Little Woman, Mr. Dashwood is a caricature of Frank Leslie. Weekly Volcano is a caricature of that magazine where Louisa worked. In Greta Gerwig's Little Woman, not only is Mr. Dashwood helping Joe to publish her sensational stories, but he is the one who helps her to publish Little Woman and tells Joe to marry off her heroine. If you want to look a villain in Little Woman, the novel, it's actually Mr. Dashwood, not Friedrich, because Mr. Dashwood is the one who wants Joe to write stories without moralities. In the chapter, Louisa also writes that Joe is expensable, and if she quits, it is easy to find somebody to replace her. Louisa and her publisher, Thomas Niles, were friends in real life, and their letters have been published. You can read them online. He never asks her to marry off any of the characters. They discuss about branding, the spinster and Louisa, the way she is going to be marketed to the public, especially for children. Friedrich in the novel, he helps Joe to find her potential as a writer. And here we have Greta Gerwig, who has said that she is John March. Well, if she is John March, how come she doesn't know such basic things from Joe, like the fact that she had a mental breakdown when her publisher asked her to write themes that she felt uncomfortable? This also happened to Louisa. She left the magazine because of the disagreements that she had with Mr. Leslie. This is a quote from Little Woman. Joe's inner struggles. She was living in a bad society. An imaginary though it was, its influence affected her, for she was feeding hard and fancy on dangerous and unsubstantial food, and was fast brushing the innocent bloom from her nature by a premature acquaintance with the darker side of life, which comes soon enough to all of us. One more quote from Jimena. I was expecting Bear to be this mean, judgmental man who criticized Joe unfairly. I was expecting their confrontation scene, which made me very uncomfortable while watching the movie. In the book, she and Bear never fight. Moreover, he was right. And when he arrives at Concord, I was incredibly surprised at how much I loved him. John Friedrich don't argue in the book. They argue in the series from the 70s, 1994 film, 2017 series, and in the 2019 film. The thing that people like Greta Gerwig are mad about, saying that Friedrich is some kind of bully, it doesn't happen in the novel at all. Jo herself is the one who demonizes her sensational stories because Louisa May Alcott herself called her sensational stories trash. And she did not like the magazine or the editor. The thing that people like Greta Gerwig are mad about, saying that Friedrich is some kind of a bully, it doesn't happen in the novel at all. They themselves actualized that. And she had the opportunity to follow the novel, but she didn't. Moreover, why would Louisa marry her literal alter ego to someone who doesn't support her? The name of the chapter is, quite literally, friend. In German, there is formal and the informal ways to address the other person. So there is see and do. And they both mean you. In Old English, too, was more intimate and closer to the German do, which is the informal version of you. Fritz being a 19th century German gentleman, wanting to use the word too when speaking to Joe makes perfect sense. This is a quote from Under the Umbrella chapter. 
Say too, also, and I shall say, your language is almost as beautiful as mine. Isn't too a little sentimental, asked Cho, privately thinking it was a lovely monosyllable. Sentimental, yes, thank God. We Germans believe in sentiment and keep ourselves young with it. Your English, you, is so cold. Say too, heart's dearest. It means so much to me. Pleaded Mr. Bear, more like a romantic student than a grave professor. Does that sound stuffy and demanding to you? As you can see, there wasn't any research made on Friedrich's character, and neither there was any kind of attempt to understand the German connection or the historical context. Friedrich uses two throughout the March saga. Goethe was Louis's favorite writer. Little Woman was largely inspired by German literature. Guess who else often used two and T in his speech? Henry David Thoreau. Louis's adoration for Henry was not very vague. For example, in work Story of Experience, which was Louis's last published novel, the male character David is a mild-tempered philosopher slash gardener. Henry's birth name was David Henry, but he later on turned it into Henry David. When David confesses his feelings to Christine, he says he struggles to express intimate emotions, and Henry has been described to be somewhat a stoic personality. You can see the same in Little Woman. Friedrich wants to confess his love for Jo, but first he wants to get signs from her that she feels the same, and Jo is expecting him to do the same, and it's all about fear of rejection. I will end this with an analysis from blogger Wonder Trevor. I will put all the links to the sources. I just saw someone say that Meg names her daughter Daisy, like the nickname she was given at Sally Moffat's coming out party. And this proves that deep inside Meg is still dissatisfied with her simple life and longs for luxury and fitting in with high society. And it's such a wild interpretation that perfectly illustrates how Little Woman 2090's mind-boggling decision to go with revisionist interpretation of, of Meg goes to Vanity Fair affected movie-only viewers of her character development. Brief recap. In the book, Meg is invited to Sally Moffat's coming out party and is ecstatic with the opportunity to mingle with high society ladies, which had long been her dream. When she does arrive, she is made to feel self-conscious about her dress and is subsequently peer pressured into unwittingly becoming the girl's doll to play dress up with. At the party, malicious rumors are spread about her and her family and Meg ends up realizing that by trying too hard to fit into a perceived glamorous mold, she made a fool of herself. She tells Laurie not to tell Joe how badly she behaved, and the overall experience serves as a tough lesson for her in the folly of chasing materialism at the expense of your own identity. The 2019 version of Little Woman inexplicably turns all of that into Meg just wants to have some fun, but Laurie shows up and spoils it, by being a big meanie. She later tells him to let her have her fun for this one night, and then she promises to be good for the rest of her life. There is no point being made about toxicity of peer pressure or the loss of identity, nor is Meg confronted with the dark side of the glamorous lifestyle she so desperately covets. It's just Meg's Cinderella moment before she goes off to get married and be a miserable mother with financial problems. I don't think anyone needs an in-depth explanation as to why the 2019 version's interpretation completely throws everything off track, but let's get back to Meg and Daisy for one moment. It's stated very clearly in the book that the reason Meg's daughter is nicknamed Daisy 
is so that the family doesn't end up having two Megs. The same way Amy's daughter is called Bess, not Beth, and Meg's youngest daughter is Josie, not Joe. So why is it okay for one marker to be Daisy and not the other? I don't know, man. Maybe it's because Meg already has a name, and the rich girls disregarded it and replaced it with a nickname of their own liking, not so subtly turning her into an object of their own making, because they don't actually respect her as her own person only as a version of her that has been made acceptable to them. Meg's daisy nickname is offensive. It's derogatory, and Laurie points it out. It's quite literally a loss of identity. Even if you are not a book reader, you should be able to glean that much from Meg goes to Vanity Fair. But of course, with the way 2090 version played out, Meg goes to Vanity Fair, is it any surprise that some viewers ended up having this interpretation? I need to add here that in the 19th century, Daisy was a nickname for Margaret. Mommy's name is Margaret and Meg is shortened from Margaret. Her daughter's name comes from a place of love and respect, not a poor attempt to recapture a moment in her life. Here is another quote from the other art blog. I admit I hadn't thought about that particular scene in the movie, so Meg basically learned nothing from that experience. This is one more example of how 2019 movie portrays the girl's flaws as minor things. Joe's anger and Amy's intentions of marrying Fred are glorified, even though they could bring terrible consequences. Laurie plays a big meaning in that scene. It shows how men are killjoys in this movie, mainly with Laurie and Fritz especially. God damn it, Greta. A feminist movie is not about making men look bad. I wrote a whole article about it, Laurie's line in Fast and Fetters, but I forgot to mention something. Laurie criticizes Meg, as you said. She is not being herself. He has no problem with Amy being all dressed up, because that's who she is. She's not faking anything. Being yourself is a big lesson in Little Woman Saga, because it's a fundamental part of the whole coming-of-age theme. The characters try constantly to please others at their own expense. Meg, the other girls. Laurie, Joe. Joe, her publisher. Tom, Nan. Amy, society. And Fred's family. Amy would have had to give up her art if she entered into the Vaughan family as Kate did. The point is, she's making bad decisions too. They failed every time. Friedrich is an example during the symposium because he stood firm and defended his beliefs in a room full of people who thought the opposite way. And at that moment, Joe knew this was the man for her. While the 2019 movie makes men seem as party poppers, in the book they help the girls once they are out of the nest. Stuff like Greta Gerwig saying that Friedrich is forcing Joe to use toe, which doesn't happen in the novel. It's like she's making up excuses for people to hate him. Isn't that how fake news are being spread? person represents themselves as an expert on something and then just make up things as they go? Or in this case, Gerwig just gives a different answer every time when someone is asking about Cho while making a mockery of something she says that she loves. When I have come across Cho and Lori fans or anyone with alternative fan theories for Cho, what they do is they close their eyes and their ears and say, I don't want to listen or hear anything. When you are pointing out something that actually happens in the novel or happened in Louisa May Alcott's life, instead of making a movie that would be truthful to the novel and open a dialogue about the novel and the author, we have a filmmaker with a huge marketing budget appealing to these different fan theory groups, not being truthful to the novel but actually making fun of it. You are not opening a dialogue or increasing people's understanding of the author, you are in fact creating divisions. 
Thank you for listening. Take care and make good choices. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.